Amen. Thank you so much, ladies. We appreciate that. Acts chapter number one in your Bibles tonight. We'll be looking at a familiar passage of Scripture, some uh, that we already know. Um, and if you don't know it, I trust that you'll know it by the end of tonight. If you're a visitor here, I always say this, if you're visiting, thank you for being here. Please, please come back when pastor's here, okay? And I'm sure you'll get a blessing out of his preaching. Uh, but thank you all so much for being here tonight. Now, we're talking about Brother Charlie, and I have to jump in on this one a little bit. I'll be brief tonight, I promise, okay? Um, but most of you know the story, but the ladies, they not, hadn't heard this. Um, I lived across the street. My mom's here tonight. We lived across the street from the Hatcher family, and I invited myself over their house often to play basketball, and they, um, they, they said that I'd go home crying because they'd block my shot and, you know, all that stuff. Rick says that all the time. I don't remember any of that. Um, but what I do remember is one day after getting whooped up by Rick and Charlie, they brought me into the house. Charlie brought out one of those good old blue tr uh, gospel tracks, and he sat me down. He explained to me for the first time that I ever remember hearing that I was a sinner, that God loved me, and that he died for me. And I was probably about 12. Um, how old's Charlie? He's 40. Wow. <laughs> So that would have made him 16 at the time, and uh, you know, I didn't get saved right then, but for the, that's the first time I ever remember hearing the gospel, and I chased the Hatchers away from those, that neighborhood, and a few weeks later, the bus came, and they said, hey, you want to ride the bus to church? And I said, I don't know. We've got candy. What time are you picking me up? So I started riding the bus to Beacon Baptist Church. As a matter of fact, this coming Wednesday, it'll be 22 years since I asked the Lord to save me, and God's been so good. Um, I'm so thankful for this place, and uh, even though we rag on Charlie quite a bit, we're so thankful for Brother Hatcher and the Hatcher family, and um, thank the Lord for what he's done, and thank you all so much for being here. Acts chapter number one, I'd like for you to look again, please, at verse number eight, a very familiar verse. The Bible says, but ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and the uttermost part of the earth. The book of Acts is a wonderful book of the Bible. Every one of the 28 chapters that we find in this great book are action-packed. Here we have in chapter 1 the ascension of the Lord Jesus Christ. Chapter number 2 we have the, the Holy Spirit coming at Pentecost. Peter stands up and he preaches and thousands of people get saved. Acts chapter number 3 we have Peter and John. They're going to the temple. They're going into the temple with the idea that we're going to preach the gospel. We're going to do whatever Jesus told us to do. And as they're walking there the Bible says there's this man and he's never walked in his life before. And the Bible says that Peter fasted his eyes upon this man and he went up to him and the man thought he was going to get some alms or something like that uh, but Peter said hey I don't have any silver I don't have any gold but what I do have I'm going to give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth rise up and walk and this fellow who'd never walked he'd never run he sat there at the gate of the temple all his days he's now jumping he's leaping he's praising God he runs into the temple and everybody's watching hey what's going on isn't this the guy that was sitting 
sitting at the gate begging and wondering what's going on. And Peter stands up again and he preaches again. And thousands more come to know Jesus as their Savior. Acts chapter number 4, we find that Peter and John, they're arrested. The Bible says that the Sadducees, the Sanhedrin, put their hands on them, brought them before uh, the rulers of the people. And their Baptist preacher Peter preaches yet again. And he's there and there's prayers and there's earthquakes and there's healings. There's Paul getting led down a wall in a basket after preaching. Later he gets thrown, rocks thrown at him and he's left for dead, but he gets up again and keeps on preaching. I tell you, the book of Acts is just action-packed. Literally, these disciples that had followed the Lord Jesus for three and a half years, they saw the miracles that he did. They saw him raise the dead to life. They saw him touch the deaf ear and the ear could hear again. They saw him touch the blind eye and he could see again. They saw all that Jesus did. They knew that he died on the cross. They knew that he was buried. Watch this now. They knew that he was risen from the dead. And the message that Jesus gave to these disciples was, fellas, go and change the world. That brings us to Acts chapter number one, where we just read verse number eight. Let's read it again. But you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. You know what the book of Acts is tonight? It's the continuing work of Jesus Christ by the Holy Spirit in the life of the disciples. I love the book of Acts. It has this cycle. Some of you crown ladies might hear this in Bible class sometime. I learned it there. Okay, the cycle in the book of Acts is, number one, the prayers go up. Number two, the power comes down. The people go out. The preaching goes on. The prospects come in. Persecution breaks out. Rinse and repeat. Prayers go up, power comes down, people go out, preaching goes on, people come in, uh, persecution breaks out. And again and again and again, we find this pattern throughout the books, uh, book of Acts. Prayers go up, power comes down, people go out, preaching goes on, prospects come in, and the persecution, it breaks out. These disciples, they started, the Bible says, with adding people to the church. But by the time we move through the chapters of the book of Acts, they're no longer adding people to the church, they're multiplying the church as we speak. I think that's pretty good math right there. I'm not good at math, but I think that's pretty good right there. And these disciples, the Bible says of them that they literally, or they turned the world upside down. Wow. We were at Bush Gardens on Friday, and I had Andrew and Aaron and Bobby Banker. He's not here tonight. And I had Daniel Works with me in my group. And somewhere along the lines, when I was younger, I'd love to ride these coasters. You know, I, I don't mind all that stuff. Um, but I, I'm just getting a little bit older, and it kind of makes me a little woozy. So somewhere along the lines, Bobby's the same way. He said, well, let's just uh, stop for just a little bit, and we're, uh, we'll just let the other guys go on the twirly-woo roller coaster. I said, that's fine by me. I'm going to go get some ice cream, amen? <laughs> but as we're sitting there... We just start to people watch. How many of you like to people watch? Sometimes we'll sit at the mall, at the Gardens Mall, and I'll be like, I wonder what their story is. And we'll make something up, you know, just to have fun with it. But Bobby and I were sitting there, and again, we realized that, you know what, all these people having fun, having a good time, going in and out of these rides, eating all kinds of expensive food and all those types of things, spending way too much money to win a cheap stuffed dog, which I actually did win. Um, uh, but 
We're sitting there watching all these people, and it hits me again. People need the Lord. People need the Lord. And as we go through Acts chapter number 1, we don't need the 21st century church. We need a 1st century church. You know what? We need what they had. We need what they had. For the next few moments tonight, I just want to preach on that subject. We need what they had. Let's pray together. May we, Father, thank you again for the Bible. Lord, your word will not return void. I pray that you'd help us tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. First of all, if you're taking notes, that we need what they had. Number one, well, what did they have? They understood God's plan. Now, we've read it before, but we're gonna, I'm going to mention it to you again. Chapter 1, verse 8, But ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and in the uttermost part of the earth. You say, what is God's plan? Well, first of all, His plan involves reaching sinners. It's very, very simple. Coach Wooden used to say about UCLA in the 1970s, Coach, you have a great team. Uh, what is the secret that for, for them being uh, one of the most extraordinary teams out there? He said, my team's not extraordinary. My team is just good at the basics. And reaching sinners, giving the gospel, telling people how they can be saved, that is something that we should get back to. We need what they had. These people went out and preached the gospel. I remind you what the Bible says in Mark chapter 16. And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every." creature just sit back for just a moment tonight aren't you thankful for somebody who told you the gospel one time Hey, you can think about it. Somebody who came to you and they, maybe they shared a gospel track like Brother Charlie did with me. Or, or, or maybe it's a family member. Or maybe you got led to the Lord by a pastor or something like that. But somebody, somewhere along the lines, if you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, somebody took the time to tell you that you were lost, that God loved you, that He died for you, that He was buried and rose again. And if you place your faith and trust in Him, you can have eternal life. You can be saved like we sang a moment ago. The blood of Christ, are you washed in the blood? Somebody told you and somebody told me about the gospel, and somewhere along the lines we accepted Christ and it changed our life. God wants us to keep on doing that. He didn't tell us to stop. He didn't tell us to slow down. He didn't tell us to take a break. God still wants you and God still wants me to give the gospel. Reaching sinners. This is part of God's plan, reaching sinners. There's a second thing under this, understanding God's plan. They're reaching sinners, and then they're teaching saints. One of the things I'm so grateful for in our church is that salvation was not a finish line. Salvation was a starting line. It wasn't enough just to get a profession of faith out of me. It was, we have to teach this kid because Lord knows he needs to learn some things. And Andy took, he tried to teach me some manners. Uh, but um, uh, as I came to this church, I tell people from time to time, somebody will say, so you were reached on the bus ministry. I'll say, yes, I was. And they said, well, what is... How, why did you keep going? Because as we know, a lot of times in a bus ministry, um, the, the numbers are not great for people that actually stick with it after high school. It's actually really, really bad numbers. So they say, well, what, is the, what kept you going? And I'll say, well, people labored. How many of you knew me when I was a kid? You say, yeah, we did labor. <laughs> we, Mrs. Freyer, we worked hard at it. We were very patient. Sometimes we'd pull our hair out. Sometimes we'd say, Pastor, could you kick him out of church for just a couple of weeks to teach him a lesson? I remember in Awana one time they said, bring a visitor. So Brother Hatcher, I brought a visitor, and he made fun of my mom. Hi, Mom. And I punched him, and they sent me to you, and you said, you're going to be out for two weeks. I cried. But here's the point. This church didn't just stop at, oh, he got saved. 
but precept upon pre- line upon line, precept upon precept. Here's what I'm saying. Don't just stop at reaching sinners, but start teaching saints. Matthew chapter number 28, verse number 19. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. We're reaching sinners, and then we're teaching saints. Don't stop at salvation. Keep teaching. Keep discipling. And that's what these people were doing in the book of Acts. Understanding God's plan. Reaching sinners. Teaching saints. Here's another one. Mobilizing soldiers. 2 Timothy chapter 2, the Bible says, And the things which thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Here's how God's plan works. We go out with the gospel. People accept the gospel. They get saved. And then they're brought in and we start teaching them. But now as we're teaching them, it's their turn to turn around and start teach other people also. That's the way discipleship works. That's the way God's plan works. We don't just stop at a profession of faith. We keep teaching. We keep helping. We keep sharing the Bible with them. And eventually, we equip them so that they can do the exact same thing that we've been doing to them, teaching them and reaching them. Somewhere along the lines, young people, it's going to be your turn to preach the sermon. It's going to be your turn to reach the sinner. It's going to be your turn to teach. Here's how that works. We get saved, we learn, and then we go and reach others. Reaching sinners, teaching saints, mobilizing soldiers, glorifying the Savior. Revelation chapter 5, verse number 9 and 10, the Bible says, And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by the blood out of every kindred and every tongue and people and nation and has made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. Here's what I'm saying. You know what glorifies God when we reach sinners? when we teach saints, and when we mobilize soldiers. We want to lift up the worthy name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I remind you tonight that when we get to heaven, there's going to be people of every tribe, every kindred, every tongue, and the gospel is not something that should be advanced only, but it's something that should be accomplished. We should get after it. We should go, and with uh, urgency and God's help, we should go, and we need what they had, and they had an understanding of God's plan. Secondly, very quickly tonight, they had urgency with God's purpose. They had urgency with God's purpose. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 16, For though I preach the gospel, this is Paul speaking, I have nothing to glory of, for necessity is laid upon me. Yea, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. They had urgency about teaching the gospel, about getting the gospel out there. It was their job. It is what they were supposed to do. Paul said, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. These people were urgent about it. Let me remind you, I love to talk about sports, and I love basketball and those types of things. And anybody that's watched sports that have a clock, like football or basketball or anything like that, what happens when they get down to the end of the game? They get a little bit more urgent. Those people that are winning, they're going to try to play harder so they can stay winning. Those people who are losing, they're going to try to play harder so they can win the game. The point is, as the clock's ticking down, they get more urgent with what they are doing. And we know that we're living in the last days here tonight. And I'm just simply saying tonight, we need what they had. Well, what they had was an understanding of God's plan and urgency with God's purpose. We don't have all day. We should get after it. That's what my coach used to say in college. Let's get after it. What he meant to me, Brother Mike, was you can stay on the end of the bench and go get after the water and pass it out to everybody else. (laughs) Thanks, Coach. Let's get after it. There's duty, there's determination in Romans chapter 1. 
So as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Urgency with God's purpose. Very quickly tonight, they had an understanding of God's plan. They had urgency with God's purpose. Thirdly, they had unity among God's people. Look at Acts chapter 1 and verse number 14. The Bible says, These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brother. And this is one of the key phrases that you find in the book of Acts, these two words, one accord. We're not talking about my Honda that's outside the offices over there, no. But these people, they were unified in the purpose of reaching the world. It's not just simply getting along with one another, although we ought to get along. That's what Paul talks about in Philippians chapter 4. He says, I beseech Iodias and beseech Syntyche that they be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, we ought to get along, but we also ought to strive together for the faith of the gospel, as Philippians also says. We ought to be unified in doing what God wants us to do. How many of you have been to my office and you've seen the Legos in there? I'm a nerd, okay? My wife makes fun of me to no end that I'm 36 years old and I have Legos in my office. But the wonderful thing about Legos is every piece has a purpose. Every piece snaps together. We're not talking about no mega blocks, okay? Them things are lame. We want Lego, all right? And so you go to the office, and up there on the shelves, you got the space shuttle, and you got the International Space Station, and you got my favorite, the Saturn V rocket, which Andy dropped, okay? And that was fun. Um, but the point of all this I'm saying is that every piece that comes with that set has a place that it goes. It snaps together. There's that big old book of instructions that you have and every piece has a place where it goes and I'm simply saying tonight we should be unified in God's purpose and God's plan and what God has us to do there was unity among God's people Ephesians chapter 4 verse 11 and he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry for the edifying of the body of Christ till we all come in the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the son of god unto a perfect man unto the measure of the statue of the fullness of Christ first number 16 of Ephesians chapter 4 from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth according to the effectual working in the measure of every part maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. Let me tell you again tonight, all of us have a place that we belong in the local church. We're all a part of the team. And not like my college basketball team, I actually get to get in the game. And you do too. Let's jump into serving God with unity among God's people, with understanding of God's plan with urgency in his purpose lastly tonight not only did they have understanding of God's plan not only did they have urgency with God's purpose they had unity among God's people but lastly they had the unction of God's power in other words they had God's enablement they didn't trust in themselves to do it they relied on God look please if you would at verse number five of our text for John truly baptized with water but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse number 18, it says, And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Here's what we're talking about, being controlled by the Spirit of God. We were talking about this yesterday on the van, uh, coming, or the other day, coming home from Bush Gardens. We were having a laugh about it. What some people believe that the fullness of the Holy Spirit is, let me tell you what it is not. It is not running around barking like a dog. It's not. 
It's not running all over the place. But you know what being filled with the Holy Spirit is? It's simply this, being controlled by what God wants you to do. Being controlled, under the control. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 5, we just read it, and be not drunk with wine. In other words, this alcoholic drink, it, it, it controls you, it influences you. It has a grip on what you're going to do. It has a grip on your mental faculties. In that same manner as that drink has a hold on you, give yourself to the Holy Spirit and let, it have, let Him have a hold on you. Let God's Spirit control you. Let God's Spirit do with you what He wants to do. Be controlled by the Spirit of God. Walk in the Spirit of God. I want you to be reminded tonight that we have all of the Holy Spirit that we're going to need. The question really is, does the Holy Spirit have all of you? We, we need God's power to do this thing. This thing of, of reaching this world, of reaching our community. 347 kids are signed up at this moment to come to Vacation Bible School. Don't you and I think that we can do that on our own. We're going to need God's power. We're going to need God's patience. Amen. We can't do it without Him. Sometimes we try. Sometimes we get good at serving God without God. That's a problem. We need to be connected and plugged into the right outlet. We need what they had. We need to be controlled by God's Spirit. They had unction, the unction of God's power. They had the unity among God's people. They had an urgency with God's purpose. They had an understanding of God's plan. September of 1860, near Chicago, there was a man by the name of Edward Spencer. He was a student at the Garrett Bible Institute. He was a thin man, not very athletic, except he was a good swimmer, they said. And that Saturday morning in 1860 there near Chicago, some people came up running and said, hurry, you've got to help, you've got to come and help. Uh, there's a ship out there that has struck another boat and it's been sinking since 2 o'clock in the morning. You see that morning about 2 a.m., this ship, the Lady Elgin, had struck another boat and it began to sink. The, the other boat made it safely to shore, uh, but the steamboat, the Lady Elgin, it, it incurred so much damage that it couldn't go anymore. It got T-boned basically by this other boat and people were getting into the water there was almost 300 souls on lake michigan on the board of that ship that night somebody has to come to help now some people they got on broken pieces of the ship that sounds familiar right uh, but they made it to shore uh, but some people needed help they couldn't get there so this little kid this little guy who's about 20 years old edward spencer he got his friends together they got to the shore that morning and they tied like a makeshift harness around him a rope around him and he went into that cold chilly water of lake michigan and he began to go out and swim and try to rescue anybody that he could sure enough he'd swim out there and he collect one person and his buddies would be on shore and they'd pull him back and he'd drop that person off he'd get a little bit warm by the fire and get a little bit more energy and then sure enough he'd go back in and he did that 16 times he jumped back into Lake Michigan in that September morning freezing cold waters and he rescued 17 people less than 100 people of those 300 survived that day 17 of them survived because of Edward Spencer it was said of him that he never fully recovered from the toll that it took on his body. His brother, who was a preacher, William Spencer, 
said that often he would say in the middle of the night, he would get up and say, did I do my best? Have I done my best? Have I done my best to reach them? And he would calm them down. Yes, you did your best, Edward. You did your best. You did your best. You did the best thing that you could. You reached as many people as you could. And then again, a little bit later, in the middle of the night, he would wake up again. Have I done my best? Have I done my best? Have I done my best? And they'd come in. Yes, you did your best. You did your best. You did your best. A lot of people started to hear the story of this Garrett Bible Institute young man who put his body out there to rescue these people. By the way, none of those people, 17 people, ever came back to say thank you. It's interesting. But that was the question, have I done my best? Songwriter in the early 1900s heard wind of this story, and he wrote the words to a familiar song. Maybe you've heard it. I wonder, have I done my best for Jesus? who died upon the cruel tree. To think of his great sacrifice at Calvary, I know my Lord expects the best from me. How many are the lost that I have lifted? How many are the chained I've helped to free? I wonder, have I done my best for Jesus when he has done so much for me? The hours that I have wasted are so many. The hours I've spent for Christ so few because of all my lack of love for Jesus. I wonder if his heart is breaking too. How many are the lost that I have lifted? How many are the chained I've helped to free? I wonder, have I done my best for Jesus when he has done so much for me? Verse 3 says this, I wonder, have I cared enough for others? Or have I let them die alone? I might have helped a wanderer to the Savior, the seed of precious life I might have sown. How many are the lost that I have lifted? How many are the chained I've helped to free? I wonder, have I done my best for Jesus when he has done so much for me? It doesn't take a rocket scientist to look around and see that this world is in trouble and that they need the gospel. And we need what they had, the understanding of God's plan, urgency with God's purpose. We have to have unity among God's people, and then we have the unction of God's power. We need to get in this thing we need what they had and i wonder have we done our best in reaching our community let's pray together may we father i thank you for your goodness for your mercy i thank you for your word and how it brings us near to you lord i know i have failed in many areas and lord i need your help in this of walking with you and being urgent about your gospel i pray you'd use this church lord in just a couple of weeks we're having vacation bible school Lord, I pray that you'd help us because we need you. And Lord, I pray that you'd be lifted up and glorified. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. On behalf of everyone at Beacon Baptist Church, we thank you for joining us today. Our prayer is that your heart and life has been impacted through the biblical truths of this message. If you have questions or would like more information, please contact us through our website at beaconbaptistchurch.com. That's beaconbaptistchurch.org. May the Lord bless you.